everybody, and welcome to episode number 40 of the Swim Bros Podcast. Can you guys believe it? 40 episodes of this thing. Thank you to all our loyal listeners who has been with us from the very start in episode one. Certainly humble beginnings if you were around from the start. To those of you who have joined us more recently, you've been treated to some established swim stars in Chuck Cadis and Ryan Murphy. Today, we have a little bit more of a young up-and-comer swimmer. His name is Brennan Gravely. He's a 17-year-old distance star with the Sandpipers of Nevada Swim Club. He recently qualified for the U.S. national team in open water swimming. And today he's going to share with us a little bit about his journey, some of his hobbies outside the pool, and hopefully inform us a little bit more about open water swimming. As a lot of you guys probably feel, uh, open water swimming goes a little bit under the radar in the swim community. So I learned a lot in today's episode, and hopefully you will too. So we'll go ahead and flip it out to the Olympic Training Center where Grant and Brennan sat down recently to discuss Brennan's journey through swimming. All right, I am here with Brennan Gravely, a up-and-coming young swimmer for the United States. Brennan, thank you for coming onto the podcast and taking a little bit of time to get an interview with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So... You're obviously pretty young, 17 years old, about to turn 18 here. Uh, mm-hmm. So, and you're already on the national team. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty phenomenal achievement, pretty uh, spectacular achievement for someone, anyone uh, at your age. So, I guess kind of get the and the listeners a little bit of a background on who Brennan Gravely is and how you've kind of gotten to this point uh, in your life and in swimming. All right, yeah. I started swimming at about five. Um, I've been on the same club my whole life, Sandpipers in Nevada. And they've done a lot for me. The head coach, Ron Aitken, has been the head coach for nearly 25 years now. And he's built a pretty strong team. I believe, like, number four club group ranked in the nation, according to, like, I don't know what the rankings are, but we, we uh, obtained the gold ranking with uh, Cody Miller as well. He's built a pretty strong club and made it pretty well known. And his training is pretty well known as well. A lot of big yardage, high volume distance kind of stuff. And he does that for all, all his swimmers. Right now, we're kind of in a, a distance kind of area with our some of our best swimmers. In the past, we've had guys like like Cody Miller, who who was a breaststroker, but was still doing big volume and stuff like that. So I think that's what we're more known for. But the distance training has worked for me. I'm more of a distance swimmer. Do the mile, the 800, and then took to open water at about 15. Uh, gave it a couple tries at festivals, a little like open water sectionals and stuff. Went to my first nationals last year at Castaic, which was which was pretty cool, pretty cold. I had never swam in water that cold, and I was really low body fat at that time. And it was a pretty uh, awesome experience. I, I just got to learn a lot of stuff. Like that's something that comes with open water. Is uh, the the better swimmers just tend to have more experience, and you can be really fast in the pool. But a lot of being su- successful in open water comes with experience. So this this year. In Tempe, I, I went to Open Water Nationals and was lucky enough to qualify for the national team. Uh, they took the top six, and I placed sixth in the men's 10K. And yeah, that's kind of how I got on the national team, and I'm just going from there. Well, that's uh, that's pretty awesome, Brennan. Uh, it definitely seems like, like you mentioned, the experience is obviously a valuable asset, but it seems like your experience curve is almost on an exponential positive upswing. So. That's really great for the United States as a whole for have someone so young as yourself, but also uh, in your own your own success and progress in and out of the pool. Obviously, like you said, with open water. So, uh, with you. with being a distance swimmer, and you said recently getting into within the last two years open water. 
Do you have a preference to one or the other? Is there is there an inner sprinter somewhere hidden in there that you <laughs> always want to be, or or kind of has it always just you you enjoy? Like today, you mentioned that there'd be nothing better than to have a prelims finals mile on the same day, great. which is just which is just crazy to a guy like me. But um, I I don't swim the mile. Uh, you do, and that's one of your better events. So has the distance always been the case for you, or has that kind of been a gradual thing as well? Um, I think uh, the first time I took to the mile when I was about 11, it went pretty well. I was, I was pretty successful with it. I never really grasped the idea of swimming the mile like a distance event. Like a lot of people that watched me growing up would tell me that it looked like I sprinted the mile. And I, I, I never really had a lot of like sprinting power or speed. Always been pretty small through, through most of my teenage years and um, younger as an age grouper. So when it came to a race like the mile, it was mostly just tempo and, and things like that. And when it comes to like having a preference between the two, I could definitely say like last year after Castaic, I didn't like open water because those first few times, like doing the 10K, especially in like cold water, it can be really challenging. It, it's, it's especially when you get alone in the middle of a race, um, and your body's more taxed than it's really ever been. And, the, the water the water doesn't help with the temperature compared to pool swimming stuff like that it, it can be it can be pretty hard to want to get up and do it again but you know we we trained pretty pretty hard for open water nationals this year and Tempe was an awesome course it was beautiful temperature like 74 degrees not not too hot not too cold a really like cool and different interesting course and I think something that's never that hasn't been done before and I think with also a very small but fast field, I enjoyed it a lot, and with like how uh, last year I went to to Hong Kong for the World Cup in open water. With e- each and every one of these experiences, I tend to find um, as I gain more experience, I enjoy it more, and, and it becomes more exciting, and I learn different things, and just gain confidence in a, in an event where there's so much violence and strategy, and so something that's so much different from pool swimming. I think what just uh, drove me away from it at first was the fact that. I didn't really know what to do in every sense of the race, especially when I first started. So um, I think distance swimming definitely helps with that, being a miler and stuff like that. And definitely the dream is to be a, a pool swimmer. I, you know, it's, it's, I think it's a dream that most people that swim competitively wish to go to the Olympics and, and win, a, win a gold medal or, or be successful in that, in that sense. But Open water has opened a lot of new areas in my life and a lot, not a lot of new opportunities. Like recently, I went to French Nationals for for my national team spot. So I don't know. I don't really uh, have a pick between the two, but open water is doing a lot for me right now, so I'm enjoying it. Yeah, that's neat. That's that's good that you have the perspective that uh, you might not be exactly all for it, but you understand what it can do for you, how much talent you have in that area, and... The fact that, that you're just giving it a chance, kind of one one at a time, taking a, one race at a time, which is the best thing you can do, not worrying about the next one. And uh, with that, getting uh, new experience, new performance enhancement, and uh, improving each time from that. So that's really neat to see and, and hear. So the listeners now know that you're on the national team. So did it just go from <coughs> Brennan Gravely, just age grouper, straight to national team, sixth place at open water, or are you on – have like you mentioned, the World Cup, any time with the junior national team, or how, how has that gone down for you? Last year with Castaic, uh, I, I made the World Cup. What they did was they took the top three 18 and under athletes in the 10K, and I was, I believe, 
third, Simon Lamar made the national team, and and he went to France, but he also took his junior spot and went to the World Cup. So I was third out of third for that trip, and I was lucky enough to squeeze onto there. So I represented, uh, I guess, the junior level of the of the USA team at that meet, but us and the men national team members both swam together in the same race. It wasn't really like a separated race. And I think that's something that will come along more with open water as it starts to grow and develop and become more popular in America, at least. It's already really popular in Europe, the the Len Cup and the tours like that, where there's almost uh, a big open water race every weekend. So uh, like Hong Kong, like that was like my first junior team uh, experience. And I think I, I gained I gained a lot of like uh, perspective from that, you know, traveling with uh, Jordan Wamowski, who is obviously um, probably our, our biggest, I'd say our strongest distance swimmer and biggest star in open water in, in Barcelona in, in 2013, being his like first national team trip and two years later winning worlds in the 10K in Russia. I think I think it's pretty cool to see how how quickly he developed, um, being such a hard worker, and just having that kind of person around me on that trip kind of helped me grow and um, believe that stuff like this in open water is really possible. And then the the rest of like with open water, there's not a lot of like events, especially here in the United States. You know, we have like festivals, like there's a festival in Florida in April, and then you you really just have nationals right right after that. So I think like for most of the year. We're just training on, on pool swimming and just uh, distance and stuff like that. And in, in that sense, I am not at the national team level yet. You know, you, you have guys like, obviously, Jordan, Zane Grothy, Robert Fink, Andrew Abruzzo, Michael Brinegar, who was my teammate in France. All guys in the 15-minute low range. And then guys like Jordan, who are seconds off the American record, and Zane, who will probably be around that sense. And, and who knows what will happen in the coming weeks at nationals. So... Yeah, I, I don't know. I really like. I, I really spent a lot of time working on pool stuff mo- most of the year, but um, when it came to nationals in Tempe this late spring, I just I just had a good race, squeezed in there on the national team. I didn't even know until later when they told me I had to do doping control because I didn't know that the top six made the national team. I assumed it was four, as it was the year prior. But I guess more opportunities opened up. And um, all of a sudden, I was on the national team, so it kind of just ended up like that, and it's a pretty exciting opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. It definitely seized the opportunity there with the, uh, the opening from four spots to six spots. Uh, and like you mentioned, with the, the couple of big names you dropped there, uh, Zane Grothy, he uh, has the short course world, rec- world record, American record in the uh, mile, shattered it this, uh, this December and nationals in Columbus. And then also broke the uh, the kind of historic 500 record as well. So you're definitely keeping good company there and uh, with the right names and the right people. So that's great to hear. And, and uh, from the sound of it, it uh, seems like Tempe really agrees with you. So that's a good thing for if it's their open water nationals in the future. And it seems like you're able to adapt to the courses that might be a little different, like you mentioned Tempe was this year. So I guess taking a step away from the pool, away from uh, the lakes, the oceans, wherever you may be doing open water. I don't know where you got, where you crazy people do those. But uh, let's hear a little bit about Brennan Gravely outside the pool. I know you're a pretty interesting guy uh, from what I've gotten to know in the short amount of time that we've been a part of each other's lives. And uh, uh, so like kind of in, like introduce yourself outside the pool. What do you like to do, your hobbies? What might people not know about you? Yeah, I think uh, one of the main things that I like to do in my free time is uh, make music. Similar to like your podcast, I find that 
music is a really good creative outlet to kind of um, relax and just focus on something other than swimming. I think a lot of people at the competitive level sometimes um, get burnt out really early on in their age group years from pushing themselves too much and focusing on the results. So sometimes, as much as I can, I try to do things that don't relate to swimming and just kind of help me relax and enjoy every day. So I play a lot of instruments, um, just to name a few. Guitar, piano, drums, uh, alto sax, harmonica, a little. And I, I try to cycle through all of those in my free time. Um, it's just something that helps me continue to be creative and uh, not get too stressed or too focused on one area of my life. It definitely helps during the school year. Um, I just graduated, so I won't really be having to worry about that. Um, at least right now with my deferment. But yeah, that's that's one of the main things I'll try to do every day. Something to work on, just something else to, to carry my time and something else to focus on. I think other hobbies like, you know, Fortnite. That's classic. Pretty, yeah. Classic today. That, that, that's a pretty popular one right now. I, I've been kind of burnt out from it. So my friends, we kind of hopped on it pretty recently and been playing a lot. And... Uh, I don't know, it's kind of dying down for us. But I, I there was a point where I was spending like a couple hours uh, every weekend or in between school and swim and stuff like that just playing. So that was fun for a while. That, that was one of the things I got into. Uh, I also do, I do make rap music. But it, it's a lot of fun to be able, it's a very relaxed genre of music as compared to, um, I don't know, other kinds of music, indie and rock and stuff like that, which requires a lot of more instrumental experience. You know, a lot of the instruments I play, I'm, I'm pretty decent at, but a lot of it requires a lot of equipment, a lot of mixing, mastering, recording, engineering, stuff like that. And that's not all things I know how to do. But with, with making rap music, it's pretty simple, you know. Beats are pretty easy to make, or sometimes I'll, like, go on YouTube, talk to a producer who I find a, so a song or an instrumental that I like that they've made, contact them, potentially lease a beat or, or work with them on a song, and then just write lyrics. And I, and I think it's enjoyable for anyone. I think anyone could enjoy writing rap music because it's entertaining. Um, it, it's instantly gratifying in a sense that you can uh, rhyme a couple lines together and it sounds good and it's fun. It's fun with friends. It's, it's easy to do. And people enjoy it. It's a very relaxed, um, fun kind of music if you don't take it too seriously. And just uh, another kind of thing I like to do outside of swim but for the most part that's really it i mean i like to do i like to go for runs exercise take walks enjoy nature but i think those are things that most people like to do but inside the house those are things i'm usually up to nice a simple man a very interesting but yet simple man so uh i will say the 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 several songs that i have heard from you are, are very good <laughs> i find them very entertaining and uh listen to the listen to them on the occasion uh, just to switch things, some things up, you know, you don't get the, so you don't get the monotony of the same music over and over again via your Spotify playlist, the radio, so be it. But you say you make the music, kind of teasing the people, where can the people find this music from Brennan Gravely? Okay, so because a lot of the beats are leased and they're not mine, I don't have the rights to uh, obtain royalty and put them on things like Spotify and Apple Music, as with those sites, you, you, you instantly obtain re revenue for playback and stuff like that, um, every single stream. So what I choose to do is, what a lot of people do, is put their music on SoundCloud, which is a pretty pretty easy access point. Not the easiest app to use, but um, it's easy to listen, it's easy to listen to, easy to find. You can actually, if you, if you really want to listen to my music, you can go to my Instagram, 
it's Breno with three O's and three underscores, I think. And then in my bio is the link to my SoundCloud, which has the playlist for a mixtape I released recently called Two Face. It's 16 tracks. Listen to it. If you do, let me know if you like it. You know, it's it's just uh, something I do for fun, and pretty pretty exhausting actually to make 16 tracks. I don't think we give artists enough credit for how much stuff they can put out, especially rappers lyrically. I think it's so challenging for songs where sometimes you're writing an essay and then you do like 25 songs, i.e. Drake, about a lot of content, a lot of a lot of different kinds of things. You have to come up with a lot of different stuff to continue to be creative. And make different kinds of things like that. Um, after doing it, I actually gain a lot of respect for some rappers who at least write their own lyrics. So, yeah, good. Some perspective gain always. Mm-hmm. So just just to recap, there, folks. Uh, if you didn't catch it, we're uh, in the same realm as Drake with his music right now. So you might want to check this guy out before he becomes a worldwide sensation because uh, Drake is just off the charts right now. I mean, he's dropping albums left and right out here. So you might want to hop on the Brennan Gravely train, and we'll make sure to put the uh, SoundCloud link, but for sure, as well as the Instagram uh, profile, so you can check out his music, and I will definitely say it is worth the listen. So please give Brennan some uh, love, and uh, give his uh, music a chance. You know, all of his songs aren't the same. He mixes it up, and it's pretty interesting to hear. All right, so we uh, got, got our two favorite segments on the show, and they're called You Like That, brought to you by Kirk Cousins. And hot takes. So what we go about doing with our You Like That is just anything in the world right now that, that you really like. That it's just, it's just that simple. It can be from some candy you had in the last week to um, a favorite shoe you just bought to some sports venue that you just did or, or some song you just heard. Somewhere like that. So it can be any range of that. And then on the other side of the spectrum is our hot takes. Now the hot takes are a little less gentle. They kind of partake to whatever's really getting at your gears, grinding mm-hmm. your gears, we mm-hmm. could say, at the moment. And that's, again, as simple as maybe you stubbed your toe, your shoelaces came untied, and you tripped, you fell, or you looked like an idiot, and you just <laughs> that just really pissed you off. Or it could be some crazy, like, haunted house, like, ghost conspiracy type stuff, like wow. something, something way out there. But, hey, it gets you going, and you got some time to talk about it. So I can go first on the – we'll start with the you like that's. Perfect. To give you some more time to think about Perfect. some things, not putting you too under the spot. You like that? 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 Why you like that has been during my time up here at OTC. Every morning we obviously get up for practice, and then uh, in the afternoon, coming from the second practice of the day, you see the sunrises, sunsets, and. From the dorms in the OTC, you walk across to the Athlete Center, and uh, before you get into the Athlete Center, you kind of look to your right, and you just see this giant crest of Pikes Peak, and it is just absolutely beautiful every morning. I mean, you have an array of colors from the sun every day, and then at night, it just turns a completely different palette and and slate of colors that um, you you don't get in where I was before I came to Tempe uh, in the Midwest or in Tempe, and it's different from everywhere you're at just based on location but uh it is just simply breathtaking and almost take a picture every time i go by just because i'm in amazement and uh gotta appreciate the moment while it lasts so that's my simple you like that uh i get to appreciate it every morning every night almost and uh it's just something that kind of makes me smile and appreciate where i'm at for the moment and so that's just a really enjoyable and pleasant time of my day so uh brennan if you're ready 
we'll throw the you like that over to you. Yeah, okay. Let's see. My you like that. Keeping on the um, whole rap thing, something that, that has kind of been in the media recently, Pusha T and Drake did recently have beef. Oh, and um, oh baby. Yeah, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Pusha T. He's a real man's rapper. Um, he's been around for a long time. And he's kind of a psycho in the sense that he's not afraid to say how he feels. I, I think, in a sense, like, he's from a very violent background growing up. Um, if you've ever listened to his music, it's, it's very violence-oriented, stuff like that. Um, and he, he's, really, he's really a hardcore dude. He's been in the rap game for a long time. And him and he, he released an album recently called Daytona. And on the last track, Infrared, he, uh, he dissed Drake. And that got everyone excited. And that got me excited too. And Drake responded almost instantly, per usual, with a pretty good song called Duppy Freestyle, which basically said that he had helped pay for a ton of the stuff on the good music label, which is like Kanye's label. And that has artists uh, such as Pusha and said that he had done like invoices and stuff like that. And I was, I thought that was pretty good. But yeah, Pusha came back with this like, oh jeez, it wasn't even, it wasn't even a diss track. He, he basically ended his life. Wow. He, he literally ended his life. He, he goes on a lot of topics, a few of them. One, one of the main one that everyone really focused on is basically somehow Pusha got the information that Drake has a son and uh, a wife who he kind of shoved away. Um, and in a lot, and in a lot of Drake's music, he talks about how he kind of sometimes shames his father for not being present in his life, uh, especially some of his earlier music. Um, now that he's grown up, he's kind of grown out of that a little. But yeah, Pusha went in on him and literally exposed uh, Drake's personal life. He was Ooh. extremely disrespectful. He even added in his his son's name, which is I just I don't know how he gets that kind of information. But yeah, I mean it was. It was really exciting for me to see that. It's just like Drake is such a big symbol uh, of music worldwide. And sometimes uh, I I think people um, put him really high up as an artist because of how successful he's been. And I think in a lot of ways, like how good you are as an artist shouldn't just be based on your success, but um, your artistic creativity and stuff like that. And it's it's been brought to the, the world's attention over the past few years. In a lot of cases, that uh, Drake doesn't write his own music. He, he is rarely involved in the beat-making production. And, yeah, it just made me happy to see him get exposed. Because wow. he's always on top. And, it, like, he wins every beef just because he's more popular. So I'm just so happy about that. Definitely a uh, definitely big fan of uh, getting exposed. Um, <laughs> definitely always, always, uh, it's always good to see a little exposure here and there, you know? Some people sit at the top, and obviously, when you're at the top, you always have a marker on your back and kind of a target. Everyone's always coming for you. But you know, sometimes it's uh, you need someone to call you out, keep you uh, keep you on your toes, keep you humble, yeah. and uh, keep you honest. More importantly, over anything. And it sounds like a Pusha T definitely did that. And uh, someone like yourself that is as in tune with the rap industry and hip hop culture of music as yourself. Uh, definitely appreciates that when that uh, that goes down. So definitely like that take, and um, got a little bit of a some some hot take in there. So I really like that. That that's good. It yeah. goes lead, bodes well for draw, drawing into our next segment. So with that, do you want to start off on the hot takes, or do you want me to? Take- no, nah, you can go. Okay. I need some time to think about this. One. All right, all right, that's fair enough. So mine mine's kind of another gripe. I, I hate to I hate to do this, but uh, OTC 
the uh, the bathroom situation here is just it's kind of less than stellar and inexcusable in my sense. I mean, I don't I don't know that it is for the ladies, obviously, but I know for the men, it's we're rocking two stalls and two two stalls is just not enough. I mean, we got a lot of guys around here. And we got a lot of business to take care of uh, before after practice, you know, twenty four seven. So two stalls just isn't enough, and it's almost in every every facility. It's at the pool. It's at the dorms. Uh, it's in the dining hall. And, uh, you know, I think just it's the Olympic Training Center. You expect the highest quality stuff for United States athletes everywhere you turn. And the weight room, it's it's just one. It's a single single uh, bathroom. So, I mean, I don't know. It might just be me, but I feel like that's an aspect of the, OT, the Olympic Training Center that the United States can step up. You know, I mean, it's nothing, nothing like it's a regal service. It's not like automatic toilets in there. Just your plain Jane toilets. I mean, the, the toilet paper is by far subpar. Um, one ply. One ply. Jesus. Yeah, it is. It is. Yeah, one ply. It is just. You need wet wipes. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's a rough life out there sometimes, folks. We'll just we'll just save you the details and keep it at that. But that's my hot take. That's what's getting me going lately, especially as I'm nearing the the closure to my trip here, my stint at the camp. Definitely no Charmin Ultras out here. Um, but uh, yeah, that's my hot take. So, uh, Brennan. Have you uh, formulated your hot take yet? Yeah. All right. Yeah, mine is actually pretty similar towards yours. Oh, wow. Kind of something that's also, for me, upsetting about the OTC is, I don't know if you have this problem in your building, but in my building, the AC has been... Oh, boy. Absolutely terrible. My my roommate and I, Nick, um, have been struggling with our, our AC. It, it tends... We, we set it at 60, um, and it'll blow 60 for a good... 20 seconds before it changes back to 80 or whatever temperature it's blowing because we literally walk in our room for about 10 minutes and we're both sweating. Um, and, th- and this hasn't just been a problem in our room. Um, a bunch of our teammates, the people on my team, Sandpipers, have been having the same problem. And, and kind of like you said, you know, the, this is the Olympic training center, which is, um, made to hold some of the best athletes, not only in the United States, but the world. Um, and I think with how much funding goes, or I don't know how much funding goes, honestly, but from the looks of it, these facilities and like the opportunities for food, um, the beautiful weight room, all the, all the things we have at our access at this training center, you'd think that the place where most of the people here spend their time would be a comfortable stay. And like you said with the bathrooms, I don't understand why it is so challenging to get a working, at least an AC unit that complies with the temperature that is on its surface. Uh, I, I just, I just don't understand how hard it is to just either, either, either. I don't know if it's like a problem with the breaker if it's not getting enough wattage. We've been moving around the outlets. Um, I'm getting pretty close to calling up to the front desk. Wow, um, outrage. Yeah, just extreme. Like I, I haven't slept well. In a yeah. couple days, it is honestly. a struggle sleeping it, up here sometimes, yeah. especially. And um, I, I will say that is a, it is a good point. Point, it is a fair point. And uh, you bring up a, a interesting topic about like the dorms and like the residence hall for the for the regular um, for the, the regular residence dorms for the athletes that typically come here uh, annually uh, that are not the Olympic status because they have different rooming for those. But they the it seems like the the lowest quality of facility is the dorms and that is very interesting to me because being an exercise and wellness major exercise science major essentially 
knowing the physiological adaptation that comes from recovery from your training is pristine. That it, need, it needs to be pristine and the, the highest level yes. that it can be for the recovery process. And without the proper recovery, proper adaptation, then there, there actually there is no adaptation. The, the necessary adaptation to continue improve the athlete and improve performance. So I definitely think this is, uh, I don't know, I, I think we're kind of, Making the people woke on this about what's going on at the OTC. I think they deserve to know. They, they need to know. I it's hope not, they learn. might not be what you want to know. might not be what you want to hear, OTC. But Brennan Gravely and Grant House right now are giving yes. you what you need to hear. Yes. You so, need improvements. Need improvements in the dorm facilities. Better. It will lead to better improvements. Better USA athletes. Better athletes for the whole world. I mean, when you hear that, you can't go wrong. All right. So I think that was hot enough takes for us. Definitely kind of pulled the oven mitts out of the, out of the drawer. I don't know if we put them on. But I think near the end we did, especially kind of getting after the OTC a little bit. I don't think many people are willing to do that. Wow. So some really great stuff there about a topic that, you know, Grant and I don't really specialize in some distance swimming talk. So it was great to get Brennan's perspective on what goes into the open water sort of circuit and, and how to navigate that space. You also noticed that these guys talked a lot about stuff outside of the pool. Brennan, an accomplished musician, you can find all of his tracks via his Instagram page, which is Breno, B-R-E-N-O-O, underscore three times. So B-R-E-N-O-O, underscore, 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 is his Instagram page. And from there, you can link to his SoundCloud. Some really interesting and, and good music. I just checked it out, and it was pretty surprising to me. This guy's got some real talent. So I'd highly recommend going, checking out his music, and let him know what you think. It's really great to see, you know, a lot of these stars that we've had on the show recently, Ryan, Chuck, Brennan, I think they all have one common thread and that's they all really excel at some activities outside the pool. I think a lot of times people get the impression that to be a very successful swimmer, you just have to breathe, eat and sleep swimming 24 hours a day. And these guys all show that, you know what, it it actually helps to really have another focus that you can kind of pull some attention away from swimming uh, direct your creative efforts elsewhere. So I think that's one thing for young swimmers to keep in mind. You know, try to diversify your life a bit. It's not just all swimming all the time. If you really want to be successful, I think you have to sort of extend your efforts into other realms as well. So for some of our more observant listeners, you'll see that there's still quite a bit of time left in this podcast. This is the unofficial end at this point. Uh, after the outro music, you guys will be treated to a little special segment that Brennan and Grant did where they talk more about rap music. You know, since this is a swimming podcast, I didn't want to have too much focus on the music sector. But for those of you that are interested, Brennan shares his thoughts on his top five rappers of all time, and they really take a deep dive in that area. So if you're into it, stick around after the music. You'll hear a little bit more talk about Brennan's thoughts on the rap game, and it's pretty interesting stuff. So hopefully enjoyed episode number 40 of the Swim Bros Podcast. Columbus Pro Swim Series coming up next, and I'm sure that Grant and I will have a recap of what the experience was like coming down from altitude and swimming in a a pretty big meet such as the Pro Swim Series right after. So look for us to get back to you in in about a week to really discuss the meet and and how Grant felt coming down from his several weeks up at altitude. That's going to be it from the Swim Bros Podcast. Thanks again for all of you listeners. If you want, reach out to us on Twitter at Swim Bros Podcast. If you like the podcast, you can rate us on iTunes. So thanks again for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time on the Swim Bros Podcast. Let's fly together, fly together, fly together. You can be my love, sweet love. No, know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather. Just you and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly.
forever. Well, let's fly together, fly together, fly together. You can be my love, sweet love. I know your pretty feathers, it don't matter the weather. You and me together, we'll fly, 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 fly forever. But uh, to end it, we're going to do we're at a special segment called our Mount Rushmore. Mm. And so with the hip-hop and rap and music, um, I don't, I don't want to say savant, but it kind of just comes to me when I think of Brennan mm. Graves. Oh, here we go. What would be your rap Mount Rushmore? Oh, oh this is easy. Our, okay, so wow, just, okay. just to clarify, are we saying, are we talking this generation or all time? Because all time is a lot more challenging. But if you if you want to go like... More, more modern. What the people know? Oh, what the people know. So we're what going. The, what we're the going, people want? Wow, we're going underground yeah. for some of these. Yeah. No, it's just. I mm. know. I want the real deal. I want. We are. We get the people. We get the people what they want and what they need here on the Swim Bros podcast. All right. So we're gonna go all time. When when you hear Mount Rushmore, that that powerful phrase, Mount Rushmore for rap and music for Brennan mm-hmm. Gravely. All right. So we're going top four. All right. All, all right. right. Yeah, I, yeah, I'll go. Actually, I'll go top five. All right, just because it, keep it, it simple. Four is an even number. I can't, I can't do it with even numbers. Our five's five's better. It gives me more room. All right, so let's see here. I can, I can already tell who my number one is. This might make some people mad, but I'd have to go with Eminem at number five. All right, definitely put put rap music on the scene for a lot of different people. Um, I think a lot more people listen to rap. Ever since he came around, because of what he did, um, I think he made rap music a lot more fun, a lot more silly, a lot more entertaining for um, for the listeners. Um, style of rap being so vulgar and being so out there, uh, something that like no no that shock value that he brought to every single one of his tracks and just like uh, themes he took on in some of his music that even today is so outlandish and. Um, not accepted by the social norms, I think changed uh, the rap game entirely. And I think technically and lyrically, um, few can match uh, what he has. And although recently I'll say that his his body of work has gone downhill, I think like his albums like Recovery and Revival were pretty pretty trash, pretty garbo. But uh, his like his earlier works, um, Eminem Show, the original Marshall Mathers LP, Slim Shady LP, stuff like that, the classics. Yeah. Um, he was doing something, uh, with, especially with the help of Dr. Dre, on 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 all the instrumentals with most of his earlier stuff. I think that put him way ahead of the curve and a huge influence for the rap game. Uh-huh. And then, taking too long here, but uh, number four, I'd probably go with. Um, some people might have him higher, but I'd oh, say. Oh, oh, oh. So, so we're, we're skipping number two and three here. What do you mean? We're going. We're going Eminem. No, that was five. That was number five. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Okay, folks, yeah. we were in for it. All right. Yeah, that was five for me. Okay. All right. So that was number five. That yeah. Five. Yeah. So four. Don't worry about it. Four. Four was Tupac for me. All right. Um, for, from one point, uh, he did so much to change when when NWA came in. I feel like into the rap game. Um, they brought a a, a total different like a, a kind of what a lot of people in that time would call reality rap, and just what they what they described it as rapping about their reality from that hood life is what they called it. And I think Tupac in a, in a lot of sense, um, although he kind of, he kind of led that similar lifestyle in a lot of his songs as well. I think later in his career before his tragic death, he, he was one of the more positive, probably one of the most positive 
icons and and rappers um, in the industry. Uh, I think uh, you can compare Drake a lot to Tupac in the sense that he was more of not only a positive rapper but a, one of like the first ladies rappers uh, and like oh, the, the ladies man yeah yeah and like All right. you know you know when you have a ladies rapper the guys follow where the ladies go because that's just how it is that's how we've always been so like he, he just brought um a lot of like a, a much different community and a much different view to to the to the rap game and i think like a lot of like the the positivity and like messages he spread in a lot of his songs um for example keep your head up um it's like a message to uh women in the community to uh respect your bodies and respect who you are and um lead your own full life and stuff like that like music like that um i don't think at least in the rap community was as that prevalent and um never got even if it did exist it never got that popular and i think what tupac did was huge because I think if he had been around longer, he would have uh, on the track that he was going on. He was he was changing a lot of what I would call um, misogyny within the rap community. Um, I For, think uh, that's just present. Yeah, definitely. That is uh, an interesting take and a good info and background for that. So um, I do have a, a before we go on to three, two, and one. Okay, just a, a simple one word answer. Yeah. Um, Tupac, dead or alive? Alive. Wow! All right. Even though I that's said what it, we like to hear. No, though, no, no more. No one more <laughs> answer. You heard it here first. Oh, All right. Now Tupac confirmed. Myself. He's still alive. All right. Oh jeez. So on to number three. Yes, the top um, three. Yeah, these these are the big three here. Um, number three, um, I'd have to go with Nas. Hmm. Maybe not as popular as Tupac. Definitely not as popular as Eminem. Who I'd say is probably the most well-known rapper in the world. But um, most. Most people who have an experienced background on rap, I mean, there's there's a, the, like a newer generation that maybe doesn't find his music as attractive as it has been around a long time. But we're going the all times. Yeah, yeah. His his album Illmatic um, that he released, uh, I believe he was only eighteen or nineteen, incredibly young. Um, a lot of people, a lot Rolling Stone, Pitchfork, like these big companies and stuff like that, will probably agree that Illmatic is probably the greatest rap album of all time. Uh, at least that's that's what like from what I read and like their rankings and kind of stuff. Um, he he did it all from a technical standpoint, from a lyrical standpoint. One of the most solid albums of all time. One of the purest, most natural rappers. Um, one of his most um, well-respected songs, "New York State of Mind." He did it in one take, and that and, that, and then it just went on the album, and he did the whole song in one take. And nowadays. Uh, a lot of people don't know this, but uh, big rappers like Drake, um, Kanye, guys like that, when they record, they'll say a line, and then they'll pause. And then they'll say the next line, or they'll do four bars, and they'll, they'll pause. Because rapping, especially fast, like Kanye and Drake don't do this as much, but with Nas, rapping fast is extremely challenging, because you want to keep that tone of voice, keep that energy, all while maintaining breath. And for someone like Nas who was so technically ahead of his time, who had who had such variability in his lyrics, such vocabulary compared to his counterparts, for example, like N.W.A. and stuff like that, who were bringing um, heavy lyrics, um, like hardcore kind of stuff, but um, it, it wasn't very dense. It wasn't very uh, I don't even, complex. You know, Nas, um, at, at such a young age, with albums like uh, Illmatic, 
much later. He made Stillmatic in the early 2000s. Um, he, he spanned like 10 years where he continued to create great music. And from a technical standpoint, most most could probably say that, um, or at least old heads would probably say that he's unmatched. Just um, he just he was just so nice. He was just so good at rapping. He was just so good at what he did. And just from from a skill standpoint, yeah, he's probably the greatest, and just ahead of his time. But only third, well, only third on only third. So only third. We got to hear what number two and number one are. We've heard a lot of hype now. We're 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 talking some of the greatest, not some of the greatest rankings, but only third on Brandon Greeley. So let's hear number two and number one. Yeah, because these uh, these next uh, two guys um, have a couple things that Nas didn't have, you know. Um, And at number two, I do have Biggie, Notorious Uh Big. The man. Um, although his career was extremely short-lived. Um, Quality I, over quantity. Yeah, absolutely. Um, he only had two albums. There's there's a third one with a bunch of unreleased tracks called Born Again. That is, It's pretty good, obviously. Um, but Ready to Die, his first album, um, is right up there with Illmatic. I'd say if there's, if there's probably one album from that era or from before, basically like 2010, that challenges... Um, Elmatic, it would have to be ready to die because of the, because of the fact that he was just as he was just as versatile as as Nas was as talented um, as much of a natural, but he also was able to come on so commercially and and so loved by the public. Um, one of his most well known songs, um, "Juicy," was one of the first rap songs to chart top five uh, on the U.S. charts and stay there for a really long time. I believe it was like several weeks and a song that comes with such explicit lyrics and stuff like that. You know, uh, r- there was a time when radio stations for, I- I'd say probably in- into the eighties where, um, you would not hear uh, a-, a song with any explicit lyrics, you know, clean versions of songs did not exist. Rap was never on the radio. I think that started to change in the eighties, but I think what Biggie did along with Tupac with their whole rivalry and everything, um, Biggie just um, helped commercialize rap music so much more. Also, he he did a lot for the rap game in the sense that being from New York, he put a lot of people on the map. Him and Nas together, both being from New York, I think um, it gave it brought a lot of companies, record companies, to New York to really bring out a lot of young artists that have come out of New York and that still come out of New York. Um, being one of the biggest rap hip hop hubs in the world, and I think um, yeah, with what Biggie did, he was just such an an excellent, an excellent rapper, excellent lyricist, and a one of a kind voice. Yeah, um, he he has such an um, a unique voice when it comes to his sound. Same with same with Tupac, you know. And the only reason I really put um, Biggie uh, two spots ahead of Tupac is just because of his technicality and uh, his variability in the way he was able to perform. So we got Eminem, yeah. we got Tupac, we yeah. got Nas, now Biggie. What's number one? Yeah, this is this is super easy for me. Um, a, a lot of people might not agree, but it, it's it's for me. It's Kendrick Lamar. Wow. Um, All right. Some people might say he's he was a little too commercial in his past. Um, I, I'd completely disagree. I think from one of his first most popular albums, Section Eighty, which has the track ADHD, which is one of the ones that really helped him blow up. From a young age, he proved that he is uh, more creative, more of an unusual rapper than. Uh, Anyone that had ever seen his his voice is what I would consider one of the most recognizable voices in, in the entire music in, industry. Um, that high nasally voice he has, 
Um, I think it drew a lot of people to him early on in his career. And I think when he came out with Good Kid, Mad City, that kind of um, changes life forever. I think that was one of the most popular commercial albums like of all time. Uh, songs like Mad City, Backseat Freestyle, Don't Kill My Vibe, Money Trees, Poetic Justice, um, all songs that I heard on the radio, all songs that a lot of people know, a lot of party songs, but along with like some of the most um, beautiful beats, beautiful samples, most um, catchy lyrics, catchy hooks, and along with that, that same level of technicality and lyricism that Nas and Biggie had. Um, only on the most like sporadic and interesting level that I've ever seen in, 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 in all the music that I've listened to. Sometimes his flow and his, his wordplay is, is so complex and so hard to understand that I have to read over some of the stuff he's written several times just to understand it. And it's, it's that more fulfilling when I come to understand it. And that was only Good Kid Mad C. Um, his following album, To Pimp a Butterfly, one of the most awarded Grammy albums of all time. I believe it won five awards. All right, so as as you kind of mentioned, a uh, high nasally voice isn't a uh, isn't typically what you match with a, a number one, but obviously it has continually been a fan favorite across the world, across the nation, and uh, definitely a solid name, solid pick to round out the Mount Rushmore of rap for Brennan Gravely. So we got <clears throat> recapping number five Eminem, number four Tupac, three Nas, two Biggie, and then Kendrick Lamar. That is a uh, that's quite a list there, quite a list, a yes. lot of. A lot of a uh, lot happening on that list. A lot of exciting music. A lot of life changing music. Culture changing music. Yeah. And uh, definitely uh, some some quality music to uh, for especially seventeen year old kid to be appreciating and, and have as much knowledge as you do. So Brendan, I'd like to thank you for joining uh, the podcast today. Definitely appreciate it. I feel like uh, we'll be definitely getting you back on the podcast at a later date. Hopefully, I I can only see after much more successes and much more uh, a much better future uh leading from here so thank you thank you grant i appreciate it